Welcome to Appalachian Shine, the official podcast for the Foundation for Appalachian Advancement. And if you're listening to this, then consider yourself a part of the team. Stick around and let's shine a light on all things Appalachia. to another episode of Appalachian Shine. This is JC, your usual host. Today is January 21st. We took a little break through the holidays. Hopefully everyone had a great Christmas, had a great New Year's, and oh boy did old man winter throw us a punch. (laughs) Uh, If you're anywhere in central Appalachia, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, The snow has piled up one storm system after another, and we haven't been out of the single digits probably for a couple days here in uh, Tazewell County, but good news, uh, tomorrow it's supposed to finally break the freezing level, and maybe some of us can start digging our way out of this, but uh, it has been a brutal uh, week or so in the weather, so hopefully everyone's keeping warm. Uh, Also, this time of year, um, just ask that you keep in mind the elderly people that may be living near you, just check on them, especially if they're living alone, make sure they have enough food, water. Make sure their heat's working. Uh, try to be of some help that way. Um, this is a terrible time with a lot of power going out across the area over and over. So, uh, yeah, keep uh, keep an eye on your neighbors. And I know you will because here in Appalachia, that's just sort of what we do around here. Thanks again for tuning in. Uh, wanted to, just a quick thing uh, to remind people, we have our latest newsletter that's out. And for some reason, uh, my uh, address list got zapped. So I was able to recapture about maybe a quarter of those addresses I had that I would normally send the newsletter out. If you're listening to this, if you'd like to get our free newsletter, be on the uh, the email list. We don't sell those emails, by the way. We don't share them with anybody else. It's just confidential. Uh, we do send out occasional email if we have a new YouTube video up or, or some announcement or our newsletter. So that's that's really about it. Jump on over to supportappalachia.org and uh, on the contact us page, just sign in and say, yeah, you'd like the newsletter. Uh, Toss in your email address and we will make sure you get a copy of it. It's on a quarterly basis. Um, So, uh, you know, you don't get them very often, but feel free to share them uh, with friends, family, anybody that you think might be interested in what we do here at the foundation, our podcast, our mission, and that might want to maybe volunteer, be supportive. So thanks again for that. We, we do appreciate everybody with the word of mouth. Uh, since we don't spend money on advertising here at the Foundation, we kind of keep uh, keep tight rein on what we do spend. So um, to make sure that every dollar that we get donated goes to good use. One thing I wanted to, the topic I wanted to bring up today, this was kind of interesting. I travel back and forth across Mountain Parkway in eastern Kentucky quite a bit. And one of the little towns that I always found was fascinating was Hazard. And the reason I thought of that is, well, stuck in the house, channel surfing. Wow, Dukes of Hazard popped up on something. So anyway, I thought, well, what, a, what a cool show. Um, you know, harkening back to the late 70s, early 80s, 
I haven't been to Hazard in a while, but it's a cute little town. I really enjoy when I've been there uh, a couple of times. And I do plan on making a trip back over that direction here sometime this spring, uh, at least the first half of the year. And I always like to look at the history of a town. Because, as you know, we've said many times on the show before, every town has its own stories. Every county has its own history. Uh, and that's one of the things we want to facilitate this podcast for us to tell those stories. And if anybody's interested in coming onto the show and talking about their town or county, let me know. I'd be glad to have you as a guest on. But I was looking into uh, Hazard County. Actually, it's a part of, not Hazard County, the t- city of Hazard, town of Hazard. Uh, it's actually part of Perry County. And Perry County is a, a great place. If you, haven't, if you haven't been through there, there's some kind of unique things. And some, yeah, and some really interesting people that are from there. Um, I wanted to find out how this town came about, Hazard. And as I was reading, I found out back in 1824, a guy by the name of Elijah Combs Sr., he actually, I guess, laid the town out. I guess the, the blueprints planned the seat there for the newly established Perry County. So Perry County came about in you know early 1800s, but the town and the county I found out were named uh, for uh, by the name of uh, Commodore Oliver Hazard Perry, and this is quite interesting. So you can maybe this could be the, the whole other show. Oliver Hazard Perry, he was a, an American naval commander. Uh, he was actually from Rhode Island, um, but he was part of a very prominent. Uh, family naval dynasty, uh, as as I come to find out, um, he actually he came to prominence because he was uh, a commander in the uh, 1813 Battle of Lake Erie, which was part of the War of 1812, and the Battle of Lake Erie was also known as, uh, if you're reading your history books, the Battle of Put in Bay. And it was fought in September of 1813 on Lake Erie off the shore of Ohio during the War of 1812. Nine vessels of the U.S. Navy defeated and captured six vessels of the British Royal Navy. So that was um, that was Commodore Oliver Hazard Perry, which I thought was quite interesting. So again, we could do a whole battle, you know, a whole show um, on him and, the, and that particular in his his life. But let's go ahead and jump a little bit further. Um, initially when Perry County, uh, the, the post office was set up, it was initially the Perry County, uh, courthouse or the Perry courthouse as it was named at the time. Um, but the name was officially changed to hazard in 1854. So the city was formally incorporated by the state assembly of Kentucky in 1884, which, you know, it's, I don't, I kind of was miffed by the why, why it took 30 years for the state assembly to recognize the city, but nonetheless, that's that's what happened. Now, if you've ever been to Hazard, you know that we have roads that lead in there. It's really great. It's easy to get to. But when Hazard was first opened to the outside world, it wasn't until like 1912 when the railroad came through. Now, before that, the only access you had into that valley back there was through the North Fork uh, of Kentucky of the Kentucky River. And that was, I think, something like, I read somewhere like 45 miles. It was a two-week journey to get into Hazard. 
prior to the railroad coming in. So anyway, the railroad ended up bringing a lot of prosperity into the town, but not immediately. It took some time. The ironic thing was by the time prosperity sort of come into the town through the railroad and they were able to start building and growing, that was actually at the start of the Great Depression, which was, you know, again, ironic. Um, so this show, that, yeah, I was watching the Dukes of Hazard, but it wasn't. So this show actually came out in 79, in January of 1979, and it ran all the way through February of 85, had 147 episodes spanning seven seasons, and it was consistently one of the top-rated shows on TV. But I think it's kind of interesting that I did read that the, the stars of the show back in 1981, they made their first visit there, I guess. Um, Catherine Bach, uh, who played Daisy Duke. Uh, James Best, who played Roscoe. Uh, Sorrel Book, who actually played Boss Hogg. And Rick Hurst, um, he played uh, Cletus. They visited Hazard during its Black Gold Festival back in 81. But then after that, some of the other the other big stars, Tom Wopat and John Schneider, the Duke boys, they actually made an appearance at Hazard after that. So um, that's kind of neat to hear uh, a little bit of the history of the town. But one of the things I, I thought was kind of interesting is, you know, I was kind of looking through some of the unique things about the town. And there's actually... Um, a mother goose house in Hazard. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, or if you're from there, I'm sure you've heard of it. But if you but if you're not, this is the inter This is incredibly interesting. Um, this actually, this this house was actually featured on Oprah's show. Uh, it was featured on uh, Home and Garden TV, HGTV, on the show Extreme Homes, and it's been in the New York Times and all these, you know, and highlighted some other places. The Mother Goose House is a monument to the, uh, I guess, imagination, creativity of this guy by the name of George Stacy. Now, George Stacy began working on this house in 1935, and he used a goose skeleton to build the home to scale. And he started in 1935. It was completed in 1940. And I, part of the rocks that, that you see in the house, uh, that contain rocks from a lot of different states and Canada. So to this day, the Goose House actually still attracts people nationwide that are traveling through there because it has it's kind of unique with its egg-shaped windows and I guess they have these car lights, the automobile lights that serve that look like uh, for the goose eyes. But you know, it's it's a landmark to this day. So it's really just a testament to the imagination. I guess that's in all of us. But it's but I thought it was really cool that you can. If you drive through uh, Hazard, go check out the Mother Goose House. <laughs> it's kind of a novelty. Make sure you get some pictures there, you know. Um, and I'll get into something else here, like related to that in just a second. But I noticed that there's quite a few notable people from Hazard. Like the one that stuck out to me was uh, actress uh, Rebecca Gayhart. But Red Allen is from there. And if you don't know Red Allen, uh, you, you kind of have to be a fan of bluegrass music, but he was a bluegrass singer and um, from Perry County. He was a member of the Osborne Brothers Band. And also um, Sam Smith, 
Now, Sam Smith was uh, one of the first three African-American ba- uh, basketball players at the University of Louisville, and he later played in the uh, ABA, Pro Basketball, American Basketball Association. So he was born in Hazard. Now, I don't know where he if he moved later on, but I do know he was born in Hazard. But Rebecca Gayhart, that that was the one that stuck out to me because she's a, an actress that's probably closer to my age, I suppose. Um, she's been in some uh, really interesting movies back in the 90s. And some of those are uh, Somebody is Waiting, Nothing to Lose, Scream 2, Urban Legend. That was the main movie I remember her from. She was also in a movie called Jawbreaker and then from Dust Till Dawn 3. Uh, then she was also in Urban Legends, The Final Cut. And um, she's been in some things recently. Like she's still a working actress. The last thing that I see here is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, she's also done TV. So she's been on CSI, Miami, uh, Ugly Betty, uh, Medium. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember that show Nip Tuck. She was on that. Uh, for three, uh, a few episodes, um, a, t- a TV show called Invasion, which I thought was really, really good. Um, I do remember that from the late '90s, and she was on Beverly Hills 90210. So she's been she's been on a few different things, but when it comes to the Mother Goose House, here's what I was kind of wondering. Um, here in Appalachia, if you were going to build a house and you were going to model it after. Appalachians, uh, you know, creature native to Appalachian. Like, if you were going to be on the Appalachian Trail, what animals are you most likely to see that you might encounter? Um, and I read through a few. Uh, of course, the red squirrel and the eastern gray squirrel, the eastern chipmunk, the white-footed mouse. Here's one that surprised me, a porcupine. I didn't think that you would see. That would be... Um, an animal you might encounter on the trail, but hey, I haven't been on that much of the trail. There's also the eastern cottontail and the white-tailed deer and the black bear. So if you were going to build a house, would you model it after a black bear? That would be an interesting home to live in, an extreme home. Uh, I do remember another home that I saw. This was in northern Kentucky many years ago. Someone actually crafted a home that looked like a UFO. Now, the last time I was up in that area, I drove, this was maybe right before the pandemic, I drove through there looking for that home again. Somebody must have moved it or they tore it down or something. But I thought, wow, that was that's kind of interesting. So what other interesting creatures lurk along the Appalachian Trail? Well, if you look for predators, um, you know, the scariest beasts aren't really found in the zoos in Appalachia. Sure, there's black bear, black bears, bobcats, uh, some places wild boars with Couple of venomous snakes. You have the, uh, you know, obviously the copperhead, the, the uh, timber rattler. But, you know, you have eyewitnesses. Let's get into the weird now that say they've seen Bigfoot, headless monsters, shapeshifters, and the Mothman walking through the Appalachian Mountains, all kinds of tall tale and, and lures uh, and lore uh, around this. But, you know, there's um, interesting, interesting things that. It happened here in uh, in Appalachia. But I was also looking on the Travel Channel. I found this was really interesting on their website. Ten mountain monsters found lurking in Appalachia. So what are they? Well, 
this gets kind of into the weird and uh, leave it to the travel channel to put this up, right? Because they've shifted from travel to like odd paranormal. But um, yeah, the Wampus Beast, which is a large black feline like creature, lives in the woods, has been spotted around Pleasance County, West Virginia. This is one area they've seen it. Wampus beasts are four times the size of male mountain lions and can weigh in at 500 to 600 pounds with massive paws. The predators have a strong odor, like a cross between a wet dog and a skunk. Now that does sound kind of disgusting. Here's another one that the Travel Channels <laughs> has listed. The Wolfman, you know, obviously this creature it's believed to weigh in at 500 pounds and stands taller than seven feet in height the wolfman's bipedal and has fur similar to the bear or a gorilla and is believed to live in caves wow of course now bigfoot we've had the shows that have come to different places in appalachia bigfoot hunters and those shows um the smoke wolf i'd never heard of this the solid black smoke wolf is a massive canine with eyes as red as the sun. One witness who has heard smoke wolves howl and scream at night on his property describes him as pure evil. The only thing known to deter a smoke wolf is the sound of rattling chains. Man, now that's a that's a tall tale and legend. Of course, we all know the Mothman. We talked about that on the show. The Grafton monster was actually spotted in West Virginia in the 1950s and is described as a big, massive, bipedal creature with short fur. It's estimated to weigh in between 1,000 and 1,500 pounds, with huge, broad shoulders, and its, its head sits low in the front of its body and makes it appear headless from behind. And they say it eats livestock. Now here's one according to Cherokee legend called the Ravenmocker. It's a shape-shifting Bigfoot standing seven feet tall, with black fur and solid white eyes. Now, this type of Bigfoot's believed to inhabit Southwest Virginia, and Virginia, not Southwest Virginia, but Southwestern Virginia, and is able to shift into any animal. It can also take on the appearance of an old man or woman. In its human form, the raven mocker can lurk among, among unsuspecting people and eat their hearts from their chest without ever leaving a mark. So the Raven Mocker, I wonder if that has anything to do with a little town of Raven uh, near Richlands in Tazewell County. That's a good question. There's also the Cherokee Death Cat. All right, this cat-like beast is said to look like a lion and measures approximately four feet tall at its front shoulder, nine feet long from head to tail. The creature can leap extremely far as an expert climber navigating trees with ease. Feeds on large livestock like cows and horses, and focuses its attack directly on their jugular veins. Here's a beast I'd never heard of, Grimms, and that is spelled G-R-I-M-S. These red-eyed beasts guard some Appalachian cemeteries. Legend has it that settlers throughout the region believe that burying the family dog alive in the cemetery would mean the dog's spirit would morph into a Grimm. A black dog with red eyes, and that the dog would then protect the graveyard. Wow. Never heard of that. So I guess there's still a show on the Travel Channel called The Mountain Monsters. All right. I guess, uh, I don't know. 
maybe they've been searching for all these beasts. Who knows? But anyway, it is fun lore. So would you would you build your house to look like a wampus cat or a Bigfoot? Or, hey, you could have a treehouse. I wonder how many statues of Bigfoot are up in, in central Appalachia. I know of four that are either a statue that's placed there or something carved by residents. So interesting stuff, folks. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Appalachian Shine. Stay warm out there, and we will be back soon. I'll see you on down the road.